Easter, the resurrection. It's the pinnacle of the New Testament story. It's everything. We get caught up in the, the fun part, the food, the candy. But it's about Jesus and the greatest gift ever given to mankind. The Bible says there's no greater gift than to lay down your life for a friend. God said, I'll do it. I'll come. We beheld his glory. We knew him not. We crucified him on Friday. Today, the tomb was empty. Today is a day of remembrance, reflection. As an apostle, I can imagine, I mean, Friday he died. Saturday he's gone. And today he's, he's gone from where they put him because he was, you know, dead. But his body was there. Now he's dead and his body's gone. It was so fast, I imagine the apostles did not have a time to process, reflect. You guys have been in situations where it's so fast, you don't have time to process what's happening until you have some downtime to go, what just happened? What just happened? As I get older, I, I, I do this more. I think I'm just more attentive to paying attention and to try to reflect more because I see how quickly time goes with my children and my life. And I look back, I try to remember to look back and remember milestones in retrospect. Because in the moment, I didn't see what was happening, that things were changing. God was changing my life. He was changing my family. He was guiding our path. And in retrospect, though, I could see all the milestones where he gave us little victories and was guiding us. In the moment, I couldn't see it. In retrospect, I could see it. In the moment, it wasn't spiritual. I didn't have my spiritual eyes and ears turned on. In retrospect, the revelation happened of what God had done for me so many times. And I remember specifically, I grew up in Chesterfield. It's across the bridge. You probably know where it's at. It's only five minutes from here. You drive fast. But don't speed. Speed is bad. From the time I was five years old to 26-ish, I lived in Chesterfield with a hiatus in Nashville, Tennessee. And there was a point where I was getting ready to get married. I lived with my mom and dad, and they were going to move out here to St. Charles County because my brother lived out here, and we wanted to be closer to everybody, and it just seemed like this is, this is where it's at. This is where you're going if you want to be somebody. Come to O'Fallon, Lake St. Louis. That's why we planned the church here. Just kidding. There's other great areas. But we all decided to move to St. Charles County, and I live with my folks, so I went with them. And I was engaged, and life was shifting. I was about to turn the page into another chapter. And the house I grew up in in Chesterfield was awesome. It, it, was, it was spoiled. What can I say? My parents built a beautiful custom home on an acre property, privacy fence. My dad and my brother, when I was a kid, built this ridiculous Mr. Miyagi-looking backyard with 200-pound stone block steps and just beautiful. And to me, that was just... That's just our house. It's just the patio. We had a swimming pool. It was shaped like a T. And I'd never seen a swimming pool shaped like the letter T. And to me, that was cool. But looking back, I go, wow, that was special. And all the kids would come over, and they'd, they'd swim at our house. And I remember moving my parents out of the house. It's all good. I didn't, I'm getting married. What do I care? 
And I remember the last trip I made to the house, I was by myself. No one else was there. The house was empty. This was in 2006, after living there since 19, living in Chesterfield since 1984. That house, 1991. And I pulled into the driveway, and something happened right then. I broke down in the car, just like a baby, man. Just bawled my eyes out out of nowhere. I didn't see it coming. It just hit me like a ton of bricks. And what happened was I had a moment by myself to get a glimpse of what was changing. My entire life was shifting. My entire chapter in existence was around this house and Chesterfield. All my friends, everything I ever did, it was always right there, with the exception of that time in Nashville. And I knew that this was it. This was the end. And that I would not be back here anymore. I wouldn't be hanging out here. And I was fine with it. I didn't want to be there anymore. But I still was emotional because I could feel that the season was coming to an end and there was nothing I could do about it. And all I could do was embrace it and say, it's time for the next chapter. So we ended up moving out to St. Charles County. and We got married about a year later, got our own house, and we've been here ever since. You see, the story of Easter is a hard one to process in 30 minutes. It's a harder sermon than I ever expected to write because there's so much meat, you can't really process Easter. But you guys know the story of Easter. So my job today is to give you a slice from a different angle that maybe you can take and go, I never thought about it like that. And then actually apply it to your life this upcoming week. We're going to start at the end. We're going to start at a passage at the end where John and Simon Peter found the tomb empty. They were done with what had happened, and now they're going, what just happened over the last three days? It's, it's hitting them now. If we go to John chapter 20, look at verses 1 through 10. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, which is how John refers to himself in the book of John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Not John the Baptist, John the disciple. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. John obviously was on the track team back in the day, because he he, he blew past Simon Peter. That's me and my brother when I was a kid. I was slow, and I was like this, and my brother was fluid like the wind. He was, he was John, and I was Simon Peter, evidently, if we were alive back. And he's stooping down, he's stooping down and looking in and saw the linen cloths lying there. But he didn't go in. He just looked in the cracks. Oh, see, Jesus, I just see linens. Then Simon Peter came following him, and he went in the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there too. Everybody say, linens, cloths, linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, John, who came to the tomb first, went in also And he saw the same, and he believed. For as they did not know, bold, underline, italicize, color, highlight yellow, for they did not know. 
the scripture. That he must rise again from the dead. For as then the disciples went away again to their own homes. They're going, what? What's going on? Baffled. You see, our concept of life on this earth is a temporary glimpse of the life God has planned for us eternity. But without death, there can be no emancipation from the captivity of sin, which prevents our opportunity to live in freedom here and in heaven. Christ offered himself as a ransom to make atonement for our sin, which we being human are born into. We must capitalize on the opportunity Christ has given us and turn our lives towards the cross. The title of my message today is Leftover Linens. Leftover Linens. Touch three people if you can find them and tell them, Leftover Linens. Come on. Leftover Linens. Leftover Linens. I'm going to reach out to you guys. Leftover Linens. Leftover Linens. Leftover Linens. Finger point will do. It's a big place. You see, in order for a life-bearing season to begin, you have to be willing to leave behind the linens. They didn't go with them. They stayed. Jesus had to go on, but the linens had to stay. In order for a life-bearing season to begin, we have to leave behind the linens. But let's face it, let's step back to Friday. And let's see what actually happened. You know, we see he's gone now, and now we're at the tomb and we're going, Jesus, he actually told me this would happen. I didn't, in the moment, I didn't get it. I still am a little confused because I did not know the scripture. Let's jump back to Matthew chapter 20, verse 17 through 19, where Jesus is telling them, Hey guys, this is about to go down. This is your sign of what's going to happen. So when I'm gone and you're standing there going, what happened? You remember I said this to you. Train up a child as they should go and they shall go that direction. He's training them up for his departure. Chapter 20, verse 17 says, Now Jesus, going to Jerusalem, took the 12 disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify, and on the third day he will rise again. So in the moment, the apostles are going, what is he talking about? Losing it? Okay, they don't like him. He's caused a little fuss in the, in the community, you know, healing people and, you know, you know, eating on the Sabbath and picking corn and all that. But, but he's saying he's going to die. I don't know. Really? In the moment, you know, it, it feels like nothing's happening in the moment, right? In the moment when my life was shifting out of Chesterfield, it felt like nothing until it happened. And then I turned and looked and realized the season had changed, that I had to leave behind those linens if I wanted to go to 
manhood and be a man and move on with life. But in the moment, you don't see that. You're just, you're just caught up in the moment. I mean, this is just church here. We, we don't we'd actually think that maybe a move of God is happening and we don't see it because we're just here at church today. It's Easter. It's no big deal. But maybe under the hood, in retrospect, we'll look back in the year and go, look what God did. When we look back, in the moment, we don't see it. We can be living in the greatest season sometimes and miss it because we're in the moment like the apostles. The momentum is building, but we don't feel like nothing's really happening. The revelation doesn't hit us until we're in the next chapter, and it's too late to be back in that season. Christ is going to leave us? You think that's right, Peter? Well, he's the Christ. I don't think he lies, but I don't really understand it. And he also said, drink his blood. I thought that was weird too. But he did say it. Saying goodbye can be hard. In the moment, you feel like uh, your stronghold is with you. We've got Jesus right now. We're, we're okay. If he ever left us, I don't know if I could be an apostle without Jesus by my side. I mean, who's going to pull me out of the water when I'm drowning and my faith sinks? Peter. And, and who's going who's gonna to calm the storm when we freak out because the, the waves are, and the winds are boisterous? How are we going to do it without Jesus? But the emotions of all those things don't set in until you're out of the moment. In the moment, I don't feel like a sinner. I'm a good person, man. I pay my taxes. You know, uh, I, I treat people good. I don't really pay attention to know that maybe I don't know the scripture until I look back and go, oh, I wish I had known that back then. But in the moment, it's just, you're going through the motions. You guys have heard that, going through the motions. You become complacent. It's just like a whirlwind. Every day, you don't remember. It's just, it's just what we do. We just churn, 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 churn. And before you know it, 10 years have passed, and you go, what, what happened? I don't know, because I was in the moment. He told me what would happen. He said he was going to die, but when he died, I was left scratching my head. When we had our first of four children, they were all a big deal, but it was especially a big deal because we were at the hospital and this human being comes to fruition, we all know how, and the nurse is there. And I don't know about you guys, but me and nurses, we've got good times together, and we've got not so good times together. For some reason, me and the night nurses, I hope no one is a night nurse here at St. Luke's Hospital. Oh, hey, you might know. Every child I've had had an issue, like got, got in a little tiff with the nurse because they, they were always looking at me like, well, why, why are you here? And I just wanted to know like, how to do little things. They're like, well, why are, why are you here? You're, you know, you're, you're the dad, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, the dad. So the nurses were always kind of mean to me. I felt like I was mistreated. Anyway, I'm, I'm digressing because I have trauma from the nurse situations. But the daytime nurses, okay, at St. Luke's are the bomb, and they would teach you how to do everything. And you didn't have to worry about if your baby was choking on their first spit-up because the nurse was there. You hit the buzzer, right? Jesus is with us. But by day three, ironically, got to go. 
Go get the wheelchair. Sorry, sir, we got we to gotta wheelchair your wife out. It's security. You got to walk because if, if you carry the baby out, it breaches security. Okay, whatever. That's fine. It works for me. It's a long walk anyway. I don't want to carry that thing. But the fear is, how am I going to go home and do this without this nurse? And granted, my mother lived very close, and it's all good. But having the button right then going home was scary. And in the moment, I was starting to panic and go, okay, okay, the moment's ending. The nurse is going to go away. I don't get the free hot chocolate no more. And I don't have a red button to press anymore. And I'm going to have to figure out how to swaddle this baby on my own. And what if it spit ups and it chokes to death in his sleep? What am I going to do? I, gotta, I can't never sleep again. I'm going I'm to die. I'm going to die taking care of this baby. It was freaking me out, and it gets in your head. What are you going to do without your stronghold once they're gone? And when you realize they're really going to be gone, then you start to panic. Well, thank God. Jesus puts the instinct of motherhood in the mother, and we got home, and within 12 hours, we were good as, good as gold. Chloe turned out okay. She's eight today, never choked. I learned to swaddle. Thank you, YouTube. Thank you, big brother, who had children before me. I'm a swaddling master now. But in the moment, I was panicking that this, this wasn't going to go so good. And child number two, when child number two came home, child number one could not walk yet, okay? So then it was like, oh, MG. Oh my goodness. We got a baby who can't walk, and now we got another baby, and we're gonna, what are we gonna do when the one can't walk and the one's got a dirty diaper and we gotta do all these things and oh my again. You rise to the occasion. I got four, we're like, bring them on, man. It's no big deal. Bring ten, I don't care. No blood, no hug. That's what my brother always said. No blood, no hug. By the first kid, you know they just bump their knee and you you panic and you think you think they gotta go to the hospital. By the fourth kid, it no blood. No hug. Just kidding. Sometimes. You guys with me? We are being equipped before our very eyes like the apostles. Jesus was training them up. The word of God is training us up. We're good when we're together as a stronghold, as a church family. But when we get left out in the wild, then what? See, things are happening even when you don't think they're happening right now. You'll be out when your stronghold may be gone or whatever it is. If it's your family, it's your spouse, it's your children, everybody has that thing that comforts them. And when you take that, that's when it's like, whoa, can I do this? Enjoy the moment you're in because it may be a linen that has to end soon, stay where you're at in order for you to go forward. And if you're like me, I'm always praying, God, give me the season that you would bestow upon my life that would fulfill your will. And he said, boy, you're in it right now. I go, oh, and I'm not paying attention to it. We're begging God for a new season when he gave us the one we're in. We're missing it. We're missing it right now. Go, oh, you know, it's just, everybody went to the big church today and Everybody's got Easter egg hunts, and we don't have that, and all these things. And God says, we're building you right. We're building right now. Things are happening right now. But you don't see it in the moment sometimes. Trying a child up as they should go. We believe strongly in teaching our child the word of God, praying with them, uh, being their example in all in all. Areas, including how to serve Christ. Because someday, 
we're going to have to move on. It's inevitable. We have to move on and leave past the linens of that chapter. It's inevitable. So you got to figure out how am I going to embrace what I can't control? We want our children to be able to be the arms and feet of what we taught them when they're gone, just like Jesus wants us to be the arms and feet when he's gone to the apostles and the born-again church spiritually in today's world, which is what we believe. Let's go to Luke chapter 23. Now the shift is about to happen. Verse 45 through 46. Let me know when you guys have swiped there. I don't know. Anybody, does anybody actually have Bibles? Do they still make those? Oh, paper. This thing, it's just for show. It's actually digital. I just swiped. No, I'm kidding. Then the sun was darkened and the veil. Everybody say the veil was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his Last, he died. Now, in John, it talks about, he said, the disciple whom Jesus loved was standing at the cross with Jesus' mother when that happened. And as it's happening, he was in the moment, you know, there's, there's a churn going on. But when it actually happened and now it's over, he's going, it just happened. I wish I could, I wish I could go back already. He's gone. My strong, the nurse is gone. What am I going to do with this baby? The nurse is gone. They're, they're really gone now. I can't, I can't go back. I thought about it before it was happening, but now the nurse is really gone. Jesus is really gone now. What am I, I going to do without Jesus to pull me out of the water, Peter says. I want to I go back. I don't want to go forward. I want to stay where I'm at because I don't know what tomorrow brings, and I don't know how to move forward because this may be the best season I ever get. It may be all downhill from here. Like when you turn 40, you're over the hill, right? So when you go over the hill, where's the, there's nowhere to go except down. Just turn 39. I'm really over it. I always had my, my milestone birthday crisis the year before. When I was 29, I freaked out. When I was 30, I was good. 39, I... Didn't really freak out, kind of. 40, probably be good. I want to turn back the clock. Jesus, he, he really died. And the apostles were surely missing him already. See, now you're pulling up to the house the last time. And now you're seeing everything you had because it's hindsight. It's retrospective. You have a minute now to reflect. I was thinking about this yesterday, Saturday, the day in between. And there's Christ sitting around at a Starbucks going, what happened, guys? Jesus, he's dead. We used, to, we used to meet and have our Bible study together and do all these things, and we'd heal people, and now he's gone. And the emotion set in. And I can imagine they became heavy. And now they're starting to see that it had to happen in order for the life-bearing season to begin, Jesus had to leave behind those linens. It's the same with us. If we could just go back one more time. If we could say goodbye to them one more time, I'd say things just a little differently. I had one more chance. If I could go back and fix that one more time, 
Now it matters. Now that it's too late, the grass is always greener on the other side. Hindsight's 2020. On and on, we got all these, these figures of speech to tell us the same thing. We, we notice when it's gone. Playing hard to get. Same thing. It's always when there's a challenge, when we can't get what we want, we pay attention. When we have what we want, we don't notice. We forsake the glory that is set in front of us and only recognize what Christ did once we've fallen so deep and he's died and moved on. How can I do this? I need a shepherd. I need a stronghold. I'm going to get married and move out of my parents' house. I remember when I was graduating Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee, I got a business degree. My parents were really proud. I was waiting tables for like four years with a private school business degree. Minimum wage. That's what happens when you want to be a rock star. And I remember the last dinner at school, they brought all the seniors together. I said, okay, guys, this is it. You're about to go into the real world. I'm thinking, okay, do that. My mommy's not going to buy my Diet Coke I get from Arby's every day no more. I got to use my own credit card. My mom took care of me until I graduated. And she said, you do it yourself. Can't afford that. I was scared to take ownership because walking in faith takes ownership. It takes accountability. You can't just push it off on your stronghold when he's delegated you to walk by faith. He's always there. But I had that fear of getting out of Belmont. And I adapted fine. But I was fearing the unknowns. I didn't want to leave the linens of my current situation because I thought, this is not bad. This, maybe this is better than I thought. Now that someone's about to take this from me, maybe I want to actually keep it. We feel this when we lose a loved one. Nothing has value. When someone you, you love passes away. When Jesus died, nothing had value. Can't do the things we did. Not the same. I grew up with a friend as my brother's best friend. And he died tragically at 25 years old. I was six years younger. The first time I experienced losing someone that was just always there. Down, he was a neighborhood kid. And I didn't know what it meant to lose somebody until it happened. Then I lost all motivation. Why, why should we go to the gym? It took me weeks. Why, why would I work out? What's the point? They're gone. The point. They left us. They said they'd never leave us. I want to go back. You can't throw in a towel because things didn't go as you planned, because you're in a season that you're fearful that maybe the next one won't be as good, or you're in a season that's so bad, like when someone dies, that you say, I can't go forward, I can't do anything anymore with my life, because I'm stuck. This linen has got me bound, hand and feet, head to toe, everything, I'm like a mummy. I can't, I can't be free from this, because it's restricting me from finding where God wants me to go into my next season, which is unknown, which is why I need faith. 
But the good news is what feels permanent to us is only temporary to God. They promised to never leave us, but they left you. They picked someone else. They didn't think you were funny enough. They hired somebody else. Your parents married somebody else. They changed the course that you didn't plan for. It wasn't in your plan. Are you going to let that restrict you? Are you going to be bound? Or are you going to walk in faith and say, I'm ready for my new life-bearing season because I got good news. See, Jesus left, and they said, he left us. And he said, I didn't leave you. I was on a three-day weekend. I never left you. They left you, but I will never leave you or forsake you. He said, remember the cross? He pointed to the cross. You remember the cross, guys? I told you I'd go. I told you I'd come. Where was your faith, Peter, if you had just, I told you to walk on the water, and then you doubted anyway. Where were you when I was teaching you as you should go? So we're standing at the tomb. Now he's gone. He's back, but he's resurrected. So we know he's not gone. He's spiritually back and king again for all walking this earth. And soon, in 500 days or so, uh, he, will, he, will, he will resurrect and ascend to the heavens. Excuse me, 40 days. He witnessed over 500 before he ascended. God wants us to continue his legacy. And unlike all those other situations where you can't go back, as long as you have air in your lungs to breathe, you can go back to God. You have to remember the cross. Remember the cross. He never left us. Just took an extended weekend. He came back to us. Glory to God. The Lamb of God has risen today. We remember the redemption of man was fulfilled when he died and rose again. I choose. Everybody say, I choose to honor what Christ did for me. I choose to honor what Christ did for me. The redemption of man was fulfilled today. I will not forget what Christ did for me. The greatest gift is to lay down your life. It's the greatest love story ever told. But it's not a story because it really happened. It's real and he's alive today. We should never forget the selfless offering Christ gave. Some of you have been trapped in bondage for so long and you don't even know it. And you need to shed those linens at the tomb and resurrect with Christ and follow the path of the only one that leads you to righteousness. And Jesus, leave behind the linens. Can you guys stand to your feet with me? In order for a life-bearing season to begin, even when you're in one, there's a point where you have to leave behind the linens of that one 
and go to the next. The greatest testimony of unconditional love is when Christ gave his life for you. There is nothing greater anyone could ever do to show you their love for you than that. Do you believe he died for you? Do you want to stay stuck or be free? Well, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. It's not about being a good person. It's about you. There's got to be a blood sacrifice to make atonement for the, for the wages of sin, which is death. That's why he had to die. He, he, we didn't want him to die. He had to die. He had to close the door on the linens and move into the next chapter in order for something to happen. He had to bear life by turning away the old. Some of you know God. Some of you may not know God. I know we're a little community right now. But when you have church, you get a mix of people. You get people who have no understanding of who God is. You get people who have a long history of being in church, but they still don't know who God is. I don't know where you guys are in your walk. But today is about leaving behind the linens. If you have never repented and said, God, I'm going to follow you. I am going to turn from whatever it is I was doing and follow you. I'm going to turn from the sin. Yeah, that's right. I was sinning. And I'm going to turn. I'm going to repent from my sins and I'm going to walk a new path. That's repentance. If you want to be born again, you say, God, I want to resurrect with you in the tomb. Fill me with your spirit, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins. And resurrect me, Lord, and he will do that and resurrect you like he resurrected from the tomb. If you never come back to church again, which I hope you guys all do, by the way, remember when Christ left the linens in the tomb. He left open the doorway to righteousness for you to follow should you choose to accept and leave behind your linens as well. But it takes action. You got to say, I'm going to do it too, Lord. I'm going to follow you too, Lord. You're my example. I want to be your arms and feet, Lord. I'm going to follow, Lord. Leave them behind. I'm going where you're going. Leave behind that season. It's a good thing, but I know you got something better, Lord. I'm going to follow you. If we could bow our heads today on this glorious resurrection day, Lord, we come to you in your mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you for the opportunity to remember the greatest love sacrifice you've ever given to mankind. We remember you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. And we are thankful for what you've given us today, that we can go home and be with our families and have a nice meal and give observance to why we are here. And that is because of you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. We are so thankful. Keep your hand on us as you always do. Let us not go astray, Lord, but follow you, the only good shepherd. We pray everyone has a great week and a great Easter celebration today. And everybody say, in the name of Jesus, amen.